Welcome to another edition of the Wandering Coach Podcast. My name is Justin Lind, and as always, I'm your host. Today's episode is pretty special. I got the opportunity to sit down with Patrick O'Hay, who is a local physical therapist and someone that I first met through the gym that I currently coach at, C Street CrossFit. He teaches mobility classes twice a week, and after attending the first five or six, I came to realize that He's not only a wealth of knowledge in in his field of study, but he's also very, very passionate about what he does, and he really believes and lives what he teaches, and uh, it's something that really resonates with me. So he's one of the people that I really wanted to sit down with uh, when I was dreaming up the idea to begin this podcast, and I was I was pretty excited to have the chance to sit down and talk with him. Our talk is pretty neat. Uh, he he really is passionate about what he does, but he's also fantastic at articulating uh, what what he knows. And uh, this talk is pretty neat. He really embodies and lives what he teaches. And one of the first things I noticed when I walked in is that he does not have a couch which is pretty cool. I was just reading something in the last week or two where the author argued that it's near impossible to sit on a couch with proper mechanics and posture. And I would tend to agree with that. And I think that the best way to correct for that is to remove the opportunity to fall out of proper posture, which would mean getting rid of the couch. It's uh, it's very, very easy to drift into this comfortable state where we just kind of melt into the couch um, and as much as I try to sit on the floor, sit on a foam roller, stretch, do that kind of stuff while I'm watching TV, if that couch is there, it's very, very tempting to just drift into it, right? It's kind of like having junk food in the house. You know, if you don't have the opportunity to eat it, a lot of us wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily want it. But, uh, I thought it was pretty cool that they had gotten rid of the couch and not even allowing themselves the, the, uh, I guess folly of, uh, of sinking into that couch with improper posture. They they sit on the ground on what look like couch cushions. Um, maybe they came off of a couch someday. But they sit on a coffee table on couch cushions and, uh, and do everything that way. And it was pretty cool. So Patrick and I sat there on cushions, cross-legged, or sometimes in long sitting, to do this podcast. And it was... Uh, it just gave a little bit of authenticity to what we were talking about as we were sitting here talking about some of the problems of, uh, of modern society. And we were, it kind of felt like we were breaking the mold because we were, we were sitting on the floor, um, something that you don't see terribly often. So we got in, into some cool stuff and I really, really enjoyed this talk. It's been one of my favorite ones so far. And I hope that everyone enjoys listening to it as much as I enjoyed sitting down talking to Patrick. So quick bit of business before we get into that interview. As always, go to fundanything.com forward slash patent troll. That's the support for the Adam Carolla Show podcast, who 
is being attacked by patent trolls and are looking for support for some of their legal fees to defend their podcast. And it's not just to defend them, it's really to defend the future of podcasting in general. So go on there, check it out, and see what you can do to help. Ways that you can support this show are just to go to Amazon.com. But first, go to TheWanderingCoach.com, click on the Amazon portal link on the right sidebar. It'll bring you right to the Amazon.com homepage, and then it's your Amazon experience as usual. Right, You go about your business, and because you got to Amazon.com by clicking through the portal link on the Wandering Coach website... A small percentage of anything you buy once on Amazon will come to the show. And that's a pretty cool thing. Another thing I just started doing is accepting Bitcoin. So what you can do is donate very, very tiny amounts of Bitcoin if you enjoy a show. I thought it'd be something that would be neat to start. So you go to thewanderingcoach.com under the support tab. There you can find the little QR code or the Bitcoin address. And you know if you enjoy a show... Donate a tiny little amount. That's what's neat about Bitcoin is it allows you to do extremely small amounts. So, you know, if you enjoy this episode, maybe give me a quarter or 50 cents or uh, anything that you deem suitable and we'll see where it goes. And that is all. That's all the business. You can always get in contact with me through the contact page on thewanderingcoach.com or at justin at thewanderingcoach email. As always, I'm on Facebook, The Wandering Coach, and Twitter and Instagram, at Wandering Coach. So, would love to hear from you. Support the show if you feel like it. Support Adam Carolla. And without further ado, the interview with Patrick O'Hay. Enjoy. We'll get the raw recording first. So, um, some of the stuff we were saying before we even started was was really cool and just um well actually why don't we start by just having you give a little bit of your background and um i mean i've heard you say it a couple times but um sort of your athletic background and then what led you into doing what you do now um athletic background i was uh started rowing in college was the big thing did track in high school cross country but really developed a passion for rowing when i got into college which was where uh, I started at Humboldt State oh, okay. for two years, and then uh, got a scholarship to go to Oregon State. Ah. Humboldt State was a um, smaller program, and okay. uh, my coach from Humboldt actually helped me. Uh, so it was kind of a walk-on thing? You tried it yeah. out and got into uh-huh. it, and then once you showed some talent, I guess, then you got yeah, swooped uh, up by a bigger my, program? The cool thing was my coach actually helped me uh, get into the Oregon State rowing program. Oh, that's really cool. Somewhere else. Yeah, like, hey, man. And I was totally Spread your wings. So. <laughs> that's cool. So how did you get into rowing in the first place? Because it's kind of a, something that's not terribly common, you know, like in high school. I actually know someone that rowed in high school, but it's it's typically a college thing. So what led you to it? I think I was always better at just endurance sports. Okay, yeah, Just kind of like not really the uh, coordination to be a ball handler or anything <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. So... I think that's what did it for me, just going out and just working as hard as you can. And Yeah. I did realize... It is one of those things, yeah, if you just go out there and if you can grind it out harder than anyone else, then you'll have success at it. Well... To a certain... Well... Not really. There's... Yeah. I had to learn... I did do a lot of grinding in the beginning, but yeah. you have to learn the finesse in it. You have to learn the body mechanics, all that stuff, if you really want to excel and go far with it. Right. And do you think that some of... Uh, realizing how important the efficiency of movement was in that is kind of what led you into some of the stuff that you do now? 
Um, I don't know if it was rowing. Um, I think it was injury. Realizing, yeah, injuries yeah. that it kind of went hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I started getting all these injuries in uh, in college, really, probably by my junior year. Just starting to get the back problems, neck problems, right? Uh, mostly the low back, though, and uh, was always kind of clueless um, until. Uh, maybe rowing in my later years um doing uh post-collegiate rowing in the single right and uh still just started to realize i was extremely tight and there was positions that i just couldn't do and i wasn't comfortable with but um it really wasn't until i was um a few years into physical therapy and exploring other things like yoga and everything else that I realized there was a correlation between being injury free and being very efficient at your sport. Absolutely. The two went hand in hand. If yeah. you're doing it right, you're going to be injury free and you're going right. to be moving faster. And quite often, if you're not actively trying to do things right, you're probably doing a couple things wrong. There are some yeah. people that move naturally pretty well, but athletics at pretty much any level, if you, if you just go out and do what you think you should be doing, um, quite often people are doing doing things improperly. Yeah. I feel like if you're not actively trying to do things really efficient, you probably have some deficiency somewhere. I think the exception to that might be is with children, if you teach them correctly, they have full joint mobility. It's like a clean slate. Yeah. They'll naturally put themselves in the best position. It's instinctual before we develop bad habits and yeah. It's definitely a nurture thing. If you look at like, um, you know, you're the... The new guy in CrossFit that's come from like a gym background, you'll typically always see when they set up for a squat, they hyperextend their low back. That's because their middle back isn't moving anymore. They have right. that stiffness that, like any other American, yeah. that kyphosis they're making up for, they go into hyperextension and then they've right. lost their neutral spine. Yeah. So that's where it becomes, okay, I need to work at these things. I need to learn how to engage in this position all the while gaining your mobility back. So hopefully, eventually, you can reach that neutral spine where you don't have to think about it as much. Right. But it does take a lot of, I think... It's uh, weird, yeah. It's retraining thinking. the body. I mean, it's it's uh, it's learning how to access parts of your range of motion that you kind of don't know you have. And then once you can kind of release things so that you can get into these proper things, it's training yourself how to actually go there and remember those places. You know, I feel like yeah. there's like a little bit of a a nervous uh, system retraining that has to happen too because you're going to places you've never been before. Definitely. And you have to remember how to get back there and get comfortable there. Yeah. And uh, so what was the, what were the injuries that you had? Um, Are they all rowing related? Yeah, the big in, the big ones were the, commonly the back problems every year. It's kind right. of a cyclic thing. Every maybe fall I'd come down with a really bad back problem that would take me out for like a month, month and, and a half. And what was it? What's that? What was the the specific Typic- your injury? typical just strain? I never got an MRI right. or anything, so you you probably there was a herniation in there or something. It um, and then I think later, it was it a disc or just soft tissue? I, Maybe a little bit of both. It's always a little bit of both. Right. It starts off as soft tissue, right? And if that and soft now the tissue is not there, yeah. yeah. If you do, if you continue to ride on that, depending on how long you go then you're going to start to get worse and worse insults in the uh, tissues themselves. Right. And um, now it's pulling you out of whack. And, and yeah. That yeah. But it, it always starts as poor positioning, right. working on uh, 
core mechanics with the the muscles. The muscles are working inefficiently. They're holding the spine in a a certain position it doesn't want to be in or any joint. Right. Whether it's the shoulder not being able to get to an optimal position or anything, you continue to ride ride on that, you're going to wear out the joint. Right. Um, whether it's a meniscal tear, protrusion, whatever, it's eventually right. going to lead to something. Um, so later on, the big ones um, were the back problems early on in my collegiate career. And then uh, when I was a single sculler, um, post-collegiate, it was, I uh, started getting rib fractures. Okay. And for three consecutive years, I had a rib fracture that took me out for about two months Wow. For the season. So you it can was, actually do enough damage just from rowing to fracture some ribs. Yeah. Because, wow. and... Um, Is that an imbalance thing? Because you had been on one one side of the boat for all your college years, and now you're pulling evenly? Or, I was really kyphotic, and my okay. thoracic spine was really stiff. Um, I remember going to a, a con ed in uh, Australia with uh, this world-famous physio. What's con ed? A continuing education. Oh, okay, yeah. And this, uh, I went to go see my guru and uh, Jenny McConnell okay. at the time. And uh, I was like, she wanted a subject. And so I like raised my hand and I was all excited yeah. to go up. And, you know, as an athlete, you think you, they're Thinking be you pretty move, impressed right? by you. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And then she kind of like <laughs> knocked on my back. And she's like, and she had this thick Australian accent. I'm not going to try to do it, but she basically said I had the stiffest thoracic spine she's ever seen. <laughs> yeah. So, hence you're my, like, yeah, you know, hence That's my real right. problems. <laughs> That's so funny. So, uh, and getting back to that, like, so the rib problems, you can have, if you can't get into um, a good position, even with your shoulders, even getting that full reach and everything. Right. Your muscles are always going to work in an inefficient position. So you'll get tight traps. You'll get tight rhomboids. Right. And all that, all the fascia in your back, um, mm-hmm. that all just starts to seize up. And then pretty soon it leads to something. Right. You're either loading yourself improperly because you can't get into proper positions. Or your other, other parts of your body are fighting against those tightnesses to try to pull you into yeah. stuff. I feel you'll like. always start with some sort of uh, hypomobility right. and that usually leads to hypermobility somewhere else. The right. big example is um, like uh, with the thoracic spine, as Americans, we're a little bit kyphotic. That area right. gets stiff. So then we yeah, we tend to <laughs> <laughs> overextend through our lumbar spine and standing. Right. And um, a lot yeah, of times, yeah, and you see that the pelvis rocks back, and you hyperextend in the yeah. in the low back. And yeah, a lot of times, common. you'll get excessive. Even with walking, you'll get excessive rotation through the lumbar spine. Yeah. So now your pelvis is moving, your lumbar spine rotation is rotating as in a lot. people swinging their arms out in front. Yeah, you'll, yeah, and you'll you'll see it you'll see it in the in the hips, like okay. the the whole pelvis moves as opposed to isolating the spine where you're you're, right. you're engaged pelvis twisting or pelvis kind of rocking a little bit of both okay mostly i think of it as twisting rotation sure. and because then you get stuff is so tight that the pelvis kind of follows the back as it well in that hyper extended position uh, okay. you, you don't get good engagement so it's not really held okay. like if you were to do a squat or something you would engage your spine sure when you go when, with walking, it's the best example. If you go, um, if you walk and you're in a an element of hyperextension and it's not contained, right. you're going to get um, 
too much mobility there with walking and then the the mobility is taken out of your hips your spine isn't in a contained um, engaged position so then the hips don't get that movement through them so then they start to get stiff as opposed to containing that spine and holding that neutral position just being engaged with that neutral position then your butt starts to fire then you're actually keeping your hips mobile Right. But when you rotate through your lumbar spine, right. the hips now don't get as much motion. They don't get as much facilitation. The butt doesn't fire because it's really not getting that much hip extension. Right. Then after that, the knees start to dive in. They start to fall into more valgus because the every time you put your foot on the ground, as long as your lumbar or as long as your spine is in a good solid neutral position mm-hmm. that motion is going to come through the hip right and then there's this torsional force that sets your knee up in a good position right over the foot mm-hmm. as long as the foot is out in front of you not way out to the side right when you don't have that and you get excessive motion things just start to collapse and that's where you get the knee diving in and then going yeah. all the way to the bottom your foot collapses your yeah. arch collapses yeah, and you see that all the time. I see it all the time. That's it's, yeah, it's probably the number one thing. Yeah, and it starts. It's funny how you can trace. Basically, what you just did is is tracing that basically initial problem, which is the kyphotic T spine, right? Yeah, I and would say tracing that's it the into big all thing. these problems from there, going all the way down, and you can probably go all the way up too in, in some mm-hmm. of the neck and shoulder stuff that it causes. Yeah, so if you went up a little bit, your um, tight T spine yep. would cause when that when you get kyphotic, that tissue back there is no longer in a good resting position. Right. So the muscles, like your upper traps, are constantly being pulled out of position. So yep. now they're on high tone. Because they're not in their resting position. When muscles are in a resting position, you have good joint um, alignment, things, the muscles are relaxed. They're not tender, they're not tight. Right. You shouldn't need any sort of muscular engagement to stand there balanced. No. Everything should be stacked and relaxed. I mean, maybe not 100% relaxed, but you shouldn't need any sort of real engagement to be standing. Exactly. And then, so it would be uh, going back to that with the shoulder, um, you're thoracoscapular motion that your shoulder blade the ability of it to rotate elevate when you move your arm in space now that's restricted because your Mm -hmm. back's getting all tight and then you get the compensation through your glenohumeral joint where everybody gets their shoulder impingement but the problem is really on the kyphotic back and the 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 stiffness of um their shoulder blade or their scapula it's not able to rotate so they have to compensate through the front that's why your delts, all that area mm-hmm. might get pretty built up. Right. And a lot of, a lot of, uh, what most people work in is, is really what leads to this. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's kind of standard life sitting. Yeah. Is what they always say. Um, and it's, uh, it, it becomes the most comfortable way to sit in the chair. Once yeah. you get used to it, it just you 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 just return to that. Yeah, you know, and um, so it's it's really hard to get people to stop doing that mm-hmm. when they are uh, if you don't remove the opportunity to do that. Yeah, you know, and I know that um, there's kind of a big standing desk movement, and I've had a standing desk now for I don't know maybe a year and a half or so, and um, I still have a 
a, a taller stool there if there's times when I want to just kind of take a load off my feet. Yeah. I go back to sitting and inevitably I'll sit down in my chair and because I've just sat back down from standing and I'm, I'm trying to be conscious of it, um, unless you're actively thinking about it, almost everyone falls back into that spot. Yeah. You know, like I, I think I have relatively good posture, um, compared to a lot of people out there, but I certainly still have some problems with, uh, being slightly kyphotic. But, um, when I get back into that chair, um, if I'm not actively thinking about it, like I'll sit back down and start working on what I'm working on. And then 10 minutes later, I'll realize it. And I'm just, I've slumped right back into that spot. It's like, no, and and then I'll, I'll get back out of the chair and try to fix it, you know, but it's, uh, it's really hard to get people to not do that unless yeah. you just take the chair away. You know, what's you know? interesting is... Uh, <laughs> it's like if the chair is there, they're going to sit in it and they're going to go right back to what's comfortable. Yeah. It's really hard to get people to like engage the core and pull themselves up into good posture and use the front of their core. Well, you know, that's to where you, gotta, you, you have to be a little bit careful there because I see like my patients, the first thing they do when they sit down is they try to sit up tall. Right. And the number one thing they do is they hyperextend their right. low back. Look at me, I can do it. And they yes. pull the shoulders back and yeah. When exactly. we look in other countries of the world where they're not having back problems, they don't have chairs. They're yeah. like villages in Africa right. or uh, South America. And Esther Gokali was the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a lady that studied some of these populations looking where they didn't have any back problems. And looking it's at always some, third world. Yes, because yeah. they, they, they don't grow up with chairs. They yeah. sit on the ground. Right, and sit on the not, ground or sit in a squat. I, I mean, that's yes. kind of a natural human resting position, right? Yeah, and everything they stacks up. So the nice. interesting thing is, they don't try to sit bolt upright. They're actually quite relaxed, and what they get is this element of as you sit cross-legged, it's just a comfortable forward body lean. So now you're just kind of hanging on these ligaments. Right, your spine is stacked, or they'll sit in long sitting with the feet out in front. Yeah, which I would say seventy five percent of my do. patients can't even do right. that anymore. They're so tight through the hamstrings and uh, the hips and all that kind of stuff that in order to sit with legs straight out in front, they kind of have to slump and push the middle of their back back behind them to take some of that stretch off the hamstrings. Yes. and you get with this. So to try to like bring that chest through and get nice and proud in a long sit is uh, what I love impossible. about long sitting with my patients. Right. It forces them to keep a neutral pelvis. They can't, they can't, yeah. because their hamstrings are pulling so much, it locks their pelvis <laughs> yeah. into place so they can't hyperextend through their low back. Right. Now, when I do, if I just give them a bar and have them raise it overhead, they're going to get everything through T spine. I'll just say, keep your belly tight, raise right. this bar up, keep your arms straight, and if they can't come all the way up straight, by the 10th one, they'll start bringing that bar all the way back because now their T-spine is in a position where it's going to be strong and it's going to be at a good mechanical advantage. Right. And then that thoracoscapular motion starts to get a lot better, but you got to train it in the right position. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So you actually use one of their imbalances to fix another. Their hamstrings are so tight that you put them in long sitting, their hips can't come out of position. So they actually have, start engaging other things in a proper way. Yeah, long yeah. sitting is, um, you know, it's, and probably for 25% of the population, they takes a few visits before they can even get to that. Yeah. Um, but as you and yeah. I know, that shouldn't be the case. Right. Yeah, you see it, uh, see it all the time though. I mean, they say that uh, all of these populations tend to have 
even though the economic status of, of the country is uh, what most people would deem pretty low, um, the health problems that they have are maybe there's some infectious disease problems and that kind of stuff just because of the cleanliness. But as far as the chronic problems that you see in the Western world are, are almost non-existent. Look at hip replacements, knee replacements. I yeah. mean, there's no such they thing. They are going to be... Yeah. There's basically Way no such thing, yeah. Over you here. get people, you know, into their 60s and 70s that are walking around with no chronic problems. They can get all the way down, you know, butt to their heels in a proper squat and just hang out there with a nice straight back and uh, no hip and knee problems. And I think a lot of it comes from not wearing shoes, too. Yeah. You know, proper, proper uh, movement of the feet. And that's kind of another thing. You were talking about over uh, hype, uh, what would it be? Hyper mobility, I guess, through some of the hips because of the hypo mobility in the back. Am I messing that up? Um, well, it depends on what part of the back you're talking about. Typically, okay. yeah. lumbar spine will go in an element of hyper mobility with like walking, even though. Right. Yeah. Because of the hypomobility in your T-spine and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, and another example of that restricted uh, mobility and then to like, like an increased mobility thing to compensate, you see that, um, at least I'm told, in a lot of people uh, wearing shoes and then because of all the little joints and bones in your feet aren't moving naturally, your ankle tends to compensate and you yeah. get this really loose um, kind of unstable ankle. Mm-hmm. And problems start at the ground and start tracking their way up that way. I yeah. guess meeting the problems that are developing with the spine somewhere in the middle. <laughs> with the whole thing with like um, uh, bare feet and like the minimalist shoe movement thing, mm-hmm. um, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think it's yeah. great if you can train in your bare feet, minimalist shoes, but you have to realize most of the population isn't ready for that. No. I always they tell people to, to walk. Go yes. for a barefoot walk 15 minutes every night after dinner or something. They have to take care of their joint yeah. position. First, it starts at the spine. They need to learn how to contain that neutral position. Right. Um, then they got to start. That's going to help them fire through their butt a little bit more right. and start to contain that lower extremity. If somebody's falling into valgus, they're flat-footed, they pronate, they're going to have problems if you take their shoes away from them. Right. Um, what's interesting, though, is uh, there is um, a correlation. Because the shoe has now become part of the natural movement pattern, right? I guess they're, yes. they're natural. They're uh-huh. kind of, um, even though I'd argue that that's unnatural to how a body's supposed to move, it's, it's become part of their natural movement pattern. Yeah. And everything else adapts to that. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. reading a study. It was done... I don't know when it was done anyways. I was looking at when we started introducing cushioned shoes, and I think it was by Nike. It is. And they showed yeah. actually 70s. how injuries started to go up. Yeah. Because now people, they're not going to rely, um, rely on the efficiency of the mechanics of their foot. Right. That's all been silented. So you remove now, that need. It used to be kind yeah. of a self-limiting thing. If you didn't have that padding and that arch support, if... Uh, 
you kind of removed a little bit of the feedback, I think. Yeah, you know, this, if you so run improperly with they start minimal to become shoes, heel strikers. stuff starts to hurt, yeah. you know? And if your heel starts to hurt or your calves start to cramp or your feet get sore from all of absorbing that impact, you know, you stop or slow down or you fix it. It's kind of that natural feedback response, I think, Yeah. in the movement. Pain is an indication that you're not doing something right. And when mm-hmm. you give a giant cushion in there, then... You're basically masking some of the pain, so yeah. it's it take it might take a while for people to develop these things, but it's kind of a slow path towards it, you know. So you, exactly. you get people like, well, I've been running for five years, exactly, and you've been doing it wrong the whole time, and uh-huh. it's just taken this long to develop because you've been so good about replacing your shoes. Yeah, you know, that's it. it's interesting because since like slowly exacerbating in the last ten years yeah. since I've been into <clears throat> mecha- uh, mechanics and posture alignment, all that stuff. My running has gotten way better. Yeah. Like, I used to run and I used to, you know, kind of just... Uh, just do it. Just, yeah, but with yeah. like brunt force and I would, my knees would hurt. I would have my injuries. I even did marathons, but oh, sure. I didn't feel really good doing it. I could never say that I really enjoyed running that much. Right. It was the after but effect now, and it was the endorphins and that kind of stuff. Yeah, but just because I like to work out. But right. now it actually feels good. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm moving through my hips. I feel like my foot is way more, my, my lower extremity is way more stable. It just feels Absolutely. a lot more solid. And, and not to say that I don't have any more work to do, because we all do. Oh, always, yeah. But just implying, uh, applying some of the principles I've learned over the years through physical therapy, yoga, yep. all these things, posture, alignment, mechanics... It's uh, it's made a huge difference on not only running but how other sports feel too. Like even if I get back on a rowing machine, I feel so much better. I feel so much more yeah. solid. Stuff's a little more open. You're more in line. And exactly. You can, you can take yourself through a much more proper range of motion because everything yeah. is just kind of firing a little bit closer to how it should. Uh huh. Yeah, I find the same thing with running. I uh, I've been running for. I, I don't know, probably 12-ish years. I started in high school, um, ran cross-country and track, and then uh, was on the triathlon team in college, and kind of got into, well, pretty early on. I remember my dad's business partner when I was like late in high school giving me a, uh, a chi running DVD set because he was getting into running and and some of the principles and that there's a lot of people that that are kind of preaching down along the same lines there's there's like pose running and some Uh of the barefoot guys and chi running they're all pretty similar and it kind of goes back to looking at how humans are supposed to run you know Uh what I mean the forefoot striking and keeping everything in line not letting that low back hyperextend yeah and if you look at a good runner like your um, the typical picture of like a world class sprinter in his stride. You just see how much hip extension they get. Oh, yeah. Like from... Their, their knee is up in front of their yeah. chest as it swings through. Yeah. You know? And then if you look at their back foot, from the base of the skull <laughs> yeah. to their tiptoe, it's just this perfect arch where oh, the tension is just perfect all the way yeah. from top to You can bottom. learn a lot from, from high-level athletes and anything. Exactly. You know? But sprinters, sprinters are the best example because it's so apparent. And then you look you at know? the fastest sprinters in the world and look at how... When yeah. they're sprinting, look at how neutral their um, spinal position is. I know it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. it's. Uh, I love watching good running, um, and sprinting is it's one of the favorite things. The 
the absolute high-end sprinters, like the 100 guys, and then 400 is a cool event to watch, too. Uh-huh. Because those guys are... They're a little bit longer and leaner, but they're basically going full-out sprint for 400 meters. Yeah. You know what I mean? Their heels still never touch the ground. It's yeah. a full-on sprint. It's cool to see. But, um, yeah, the running thing is... Uh, is weird. I always tell people what you can take from this barefoot running trend um, to start working into it is kick your shoes off and jog down the sidewalk for 100 feet on the sidewalk with completely bare feet. Mm-hmm. And your your body, even if it hasn't done it in a really long time, it starts to fall into, maybe it's not this perfect uh, running form, but you start to fall back into those patterns yeah. because now you've removed that cushion uh-huh. and you're getting that feedback of, oh man, when I land like that, my foot hurts. And if you do that, you know, back and forth a couple times, people start to let that knee come up in front rather than leg kicking back behind yeah. them. And they start to set the foot down and use the ankle to yeah. absorb that impact. And it's like, look what you're doing. You Stride know? frequency you're doing goes higher too. Absolutely. As Shorter steps and you're up and down. Boom, boom, boom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I always tell people, you know, um, can you picture when little kids are running around the edge of a pool? And I just like that example because everyone can kind of picture that little tippy toe kind of step that kids do when they're running on concrete barefoot. And that seems to be the example that at least jumps out in my mind. And they're kind of defaulting into that form because it hurts to run barefoot heel striking on concrete. So if you force yourself into that and don't do it more than, you know, a few hundred feet at a time because most people can't even go a quarter mile if they really stick to that proper form. And it's like you said, you know, their their feet and the rest of their body it isn't ready to handle it. But yeah. um, just as an eye-opening thing, you can do it and your body starts to default back into that stuff because it goes into protection mode, mm-hmm. you know, and it's how your, your feet are supposed to absorb those impacts. Um, it's pretty neat. But um, there was one thing I... We kind of got into most of the problems that you see with everyday people, Um, but what are some of the things that you see, basically most athletes, unless they're at the absolute highest level um, and haven't ever had to have a desk job or maybe haven't gone and develop some of the chronic problems like the rest of us have, but most people take CrossFit, for instance, are... uh, are just regular people that now get into working out at a pretty intense level. And most people I would say that start into CrossFit or something like that come from a place where they have a lot of the chronic problems that almost everyone has. And now when they start working out, they're not starting from a place, um, basically not starting at zero. And what are some of the problems that you see with, you know, people in CrossFit that they, I guess exacerbating some of the imbalances and deficiencies yeah. they already have. Like, what are some of the things that tend to happen? Um, um, when I think the get biggest thing is uh, a lot of CrossFitters, men and women that are getting into it, they're not taking care of uh, optimizing their joint mechanics before they get into it, meaning joint mobility. Right. Like, I have a restricted shoulder. Now, if I train on this restricted shoulder, I'm always going to get this compensatory use of extra muscles. If I can't lock that overhead squat out behind my head, now I my arm is slightly broken, my shoulder's slightly internally rotated, it's not fully flexed, it's not just in that locked out position. 
So you get all these extra muscles using, and then that starts the shoulder injury. So right. it just starts to get really tight, and then it leads to an impingement. Right. Um, so it, that's the biggest. It's thing almost like see. you're stacking stacking blocks on top of a base that's not solid, and eventually yeah. it's going to come crumbling down. I'd like to see <clears throat> a little more emphasis on if somebody is severely restricted, one gaining that mobility back. And then not jumping into the weights right away, mm-hmm. nailing the form. How do you engage your spine Absolutely. in this position? What do I need to be thinking about when I optimize my joint, joint mechanics? Like I'll tell my patients when they're doing a squat, I'll position their feet not straight a- ahead, but somewhat out to the yeah, side. Not too much, straight. but tell them to drive their knees out. Or I'll even put a band around their knees. Just yep. get those glutes facilitated. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to know how to optimize your position when you're doing a push-up. You don't want your elbows to flare out to the side because that's going to put you in internal rotation. So sure. that's going to put a lot of stress on the shoulder. So you want to just teach them how to to optimize these mechanics to do the best they can before they start throwing the heavy weights yeah. on and start training <clears throat> in these poor positions. Yep. Well, you know what, CrossFit in its uh, in its founding principles really does address that. Um, if you look at some of the, some of the early writings and kind of the, there's a couple journal articles and that kind of stuff that really talk about the core principles. Um, there's, there's this pyramid that they call the hierarchy of fitness Yeah. and the very bottom level is, um, I think the very bottom level is cardio, but even, even below that, um, man, I, I wish I had this in front of me cause I'm probably messing it up, but the very bottom level if it's not, should be mobility. Before uh-huh. you start doing anything with any sort of intensity, it doesn't have to be perfect mobility, but if you if you aren't developing that base of just, I can overall move myself through a good range of motion with almost everything, that's when you can start to actually work yourself through it. Because yeah. um, if you don't address that first, then... You know, I wish there was some some uh, way to emphasize doing things properly. Yeah. Or um, because some of the feedback that people get in CrossFit is, you know, either the weight on the bar or how fast they did it or that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, we we emphasize, you know, good cardio. We emphasize being strong, but a lot of people don't even tend to realize that they have these imbalances. It's like, well, what are you talking about? My times are going down yeah. and my weights are going up. I'm doing great. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, you I guess, in- but you're, you're almost, you're almost making things worse because yeah. now you're making it that much harder to move properly. And you're kind of, a lot of people, if you tell them, um, it's something I struggle with in coaching actually is, yeah. is trying to tell people like, Hey, you know, I want to have you go squat with a pole. And like, yeah. well, what are you talking about? You know, I'm. You can only. Do I just so got a big squat PR. You can only do so much in that hour time, or yeah. even the couple times a week that you see someone. But also, um, people don't want to be feel feeling like they're being knocked down. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you take someone that thinks they're super strong and they got stuff figured out, and they put their old shoes on and their back squat, it's like, man, like. I want to just have you take your shoes off and go squat on a pole. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's not a demotion. It's, yeah. it's like, I'm, I'm really trying to help you out and, and you should be doing this 
you should be emphasizing this way more than you emphasize putting a bar on your back. Yeah, optimizing you know? and the movement pattern. I wish there was some reward mechanism for, for doing that because all the reward mechanisms are like, look, I got a fast time or like, look, yeah. I lifted a lot. And there's uh, – so it's it's not a mystery why the motivation is to start doing stuff as heavy and as fast as yeah. possible. But, you know, CrossFit in its inception wasn't like that. And I feel like maybe – Maybe having the competition and like the sport side mm-hmm. of it, um, it's kind of that trickle down effect, you know, yeah. where people see the direction things are going and emphasizing the competition and that kind of stuff. And I love it; I'm a fan of the sport, but it tends to be trickling its way down into the day to day people. Yeah, and it's like you know, these are basically professional high end athletes, and yeah. the the way that they approach everything is fundamentally different than you need to be approaching it. Yeah. You know, 42 year old guy who can't even stand up straight yeah. after he works at a desk for 20 years, you know? So it's like, um, it's a battle. Yeah. I mean, it's I love, I think CrossFit is awesome because it's an opportunity to practice your oh, neutral yeah. spine, to practice your body mechanics, sure. practice your efficiency. But I, I think, um, I'd like to see the students, clients, whatever you call them, outside of their CrossFit days, practicing yeah. these movement patterns Homework. on their own. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's not like there's a there's a there's only one way to snatch. There's only the right way. Right. You know. Absolutely. There's not like, and oh, you have to do it right, it. otherwise you're you, you're never going to do yeah, it. Yeah, and high that level. goes with anything, whether yeah. it's squatting or what. There's only one way to do it. Right. And everyone looks slightly different because of their unique anatomy. You know, yeah. what I mean? everyone's proportions are different, but. Yeah, there is there is one way to do things properly for yeah. for most of these movements, you know. Yeah, so it's, it's um, uh, and I just uh, I don't know. I I guess people get it caught up in the excitement a little bit, and you oh, know absolutely. they just want to beat that time, and right. you know what the, their mechanics just sometimes fall out the window. I know mine did once in a while. So sure, it's easy, you know, yeah. especially when you're in that intensity is great, um, but you have to have developed. Um, an internal priority to do things properly yeah. and the humility to take a step back if you feel some of that proper mechanics starting to fade. So um, there's a lot that has to go into that and mm-hmm. it's uh, not only making sure that you do things properly but knowing what it feels like when you're starting to fall out of it Yeah, and then also developing enough humility to um, and and awareness that in a workout when the clock is running, be like, no, you know what, that last one wasn't very good. Yeah. Like maybe I should just stand here for thirty seconds or take and some I'll weight try off to... if you can't do it. Right, yeah. absolutely. And um, you know, so there's there's a lot of pieces of that puzzle that have to be developed. And the number mm-hmm. one is making sure people can actually move properly. Yeah, and have enough awareness and proprioception to feel what that proper movement feels like, and when it starts to fall apart. And that's uh, that's unfortunately not stressed enough, in my opinion. I'd like to see a screen done where yeah. we could actually assess joint mobility, yeah. uh, assess people's mechanics, and kind of give them homework. Mm-hmm. All right, you're completely yeah. tight. Wherever. Have you seen the functional movement? Something, yeah, the great I got cook certified thing? in that a couple. Oh, of years did you? Uh huh. That's really cool. That would be a perfect. Great Cook is 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 a cool guy. He's, yeah, and then he has correctives read. depending yeah. on where you scored low. You have some homework yeah. to do. What is that called? Functional movement screening or whatever it's functional called? Functional movement screen, functional okay. movement seminar. Yeah. 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 That's cool. I've thought about going to something like that. It's, They're good. Uh, They're really good. Yeah. And it Did you meet Greg Cook or is it someone else? No, I had somebody else. Okay. Yeah. Who was it? I do don't remember. Even remember. Okay. 
because there's another guy that he's a I don't know if he's a doctor of PT or um, an MD, um, but he's down in Santa Monica, I think, named Dr. Mark Chang. And is I that think who it that's was? Who I had. Oh, yeah. he's cool. Yeah, he's, he's cool. I've read a couple of his things and heard him on a few podcasts. Yeah, he's a no, big he's um, martial arts guy yeah. and a big kettlebell that, guy. That was my teacher. Oh, yeah. that's so cool. Good for you. No, I would love to awesome. meet Mark Chang. Yeah, you remembered that name. Yeah. Um, going on to some other athletes, though, like uh, if a, a lot of athletes I've been getting lately are just yogis, um, and what yeah. happens there is like you'll get a lot of people. That, um, for example, if uh, if they come in with that slightly kyphotic position or even like, let's say, a gymnast right. that loves to overextend their low back. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, sometimes in those cases, when they go into something like yoga, they do most of the movement through their low back. They don't right. disperse that movement through the spine. So if they're doing a back bend, you'll see a, a hyper extension in the yeah. lumbar spine. It, it almost looks like a corner. Yes. You can see it. It's not this even so, curve throughout the back. It's like straight and then you see like kink. That almost. develops yeah. uh, a lot of problems. And that becomes yeah. a spinal instability. I have, noticed that. I have noticed that. They will really start to rotate when they walk, when they do different, yeah. or when they run. They might run kind of goofy looking because you'll uh-huh. see so much rotation they through have, their pelvis. Yeah, they're very hypermobile. And, yes. and, and you see them unable to stabilize their joints properly. Yeah. And I have noticed that sometimes you see it in dancers, although dancers tend dancers to be relatively too. strong. Exactly. But young kids when they're dancers, um, that that haven't developed a lot of strength and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but dancers at a high level, you know, like world class yeah. ballerinas and stuff tend to be incredibly strong. Mm-hmm. Um and have great mechanics, I would Except for you know yeah. their feet being all smashed in those little things. But, um, yeah, I do. I do notice that in yogis. You know, like I feel yoga is fantastic, but it's it's a in my opinion, it's it's one piece of the puzzle. You know, yes. it's it's an important piece, and it's it's cool and I enjoy it. But it's uh, in my opinion to have an overall um, healthy, functional at the highest level body. Um, yeah. It's not the uh, it's not the top of the mountain. Yeah, you know. Unfortunately, we we kind of choose the path of least resistance. Yeah. So when we do our back bends, rotations, if it's through the lumbar spine, that's where we're going to go. So right. I think with something like yoga, again, it, it's going to take good instructors to give their students the awareness of yeah. no, this is how you're going to do a side bend. You got to feel it in your middle back. You got to feel it in that bra line. Yeah. You got to engage this a little bit more. I'm really excited because so, I'm talking to my yoga teacher very soon for this same thing. So I'll bring up all this stuff. Great. It's cool. Yeah, she's a fantastic teacher. And I, I feel like she has a great handle on all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But, um, you're absolutely right. It's it's just like the running or the lifting or anything. If you – your body moves in a certain way. And mm-hmm. if, uh, you know, you go and do a sport or yoga or anything like that, um, you fall into – moving the way that your body likes to move, not necessarily the way that these movements are meant to be done. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like what we said in the beginning, where if you're not actively trying to do things right, you're probably falling into some improper pattern. Yeah, you can you know? always assume and if you're American, like that. you're going to be slightly kyphotic. Yep. So you're going to have to work a little bit harder to engage your lumbar spine you're gonna have to use a little more awareness if you're gonna go into something like yoga and how to 
get into that T-spine and contain that lumbar spine when yeah. you're doing your different movements. But I got to say, like, I I worked really hard on it. It was really frustrating. Yeah. And to this day, I don't always get it. But sure. I got to say, just putting a, a big focus onto how I move, at least, it's been a huge change in my life. Yeah, like, me too. For once, yeah, being injury-free, it, it feels good, yeah. as you know. Yeah, you, uh, you have to be actively thinking about it. And it's kind of the more... The more I dig down this road, um, to mix metaphors, I guess, but the further I, I dig into this kind of stuff, the more you realize that all of your everyday stuff is probably not doing you any favors. Yeah. And the more you realize that, you know, a lot of the stuff that's, I guess, deemed normal in our society is, uh, is leading you down a road that you probably don't want to be going down when you're an athlete. So it's one of those things that, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's almost weird to be actively trying to fix some of these things, you Mm -hmm. know, like we're not sitting on a couch right now. (laughs) Patrick doesn't have a couch for anyone that's listening, but, um, we're sitting on the floor and have been either in long sitting or cross-legged the whole time. And, um, but yeah, it's cool. Let's let's try to whittle it down to you know a couple a couple big things that people can incorporate in, in their life that are not these monumental changes. Because I feel like when you when you kind of start to talk about how much is wrong and um, you know in even the bigger picture, you can bring diet into things like oh you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be doing yeah. that and you shouldn't be sitting and you shouldn't be wearing these shoes and it it, it seems like this all encompassed thing like everything you know is wrong and there's there's a couple simple things that I feel like I feel like people can incorporate that make some pretty drastic changes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it'd be cool to try to like whittle down to to figure out what are a couple things that that aren't these these uh really tough changes in someone's life that they can just start doing. You know what I mean? So what are a couple things that you think are are really well, big to incorporate? I would say one of the biggest things is um, related to all this is just sitting. Um, One, feeling a position where the first thing you need to do is I actually tell my patients, slouch for me. I'll just say, I want you to just let go, slouch. So, number one, their pelvis is in a neutral position. And they're not in that lumbar hyperextension. Then I'll just say, I'm going to have you keep your belly tight, and I just want you to roll your shoulders back, and then just kind of line up your ear, your shoulder, and your hip. Right. But you got to make sure there's always that feeling. I'll even demonstrate for them. I'll go into hyperextension, and I'll just let go. Right. I'll just drop. So I'm like, I make the point, nothing happens at your pelvis. Right. So you're purposely pushing everything up. And then you're kind of letting everything settle and stack. Yeah. So just to make sure they're relaxed. Right. And then just rolling the shoulders back and then just lightly taking the head back. Right. Not doing anything yeah, drastic. The head back's a big one. That neck and yeah. that curving forward and losing that natural curve. Now, which what I'll, since I get the worst of the worst being a physical therapist, um, they're going to look pretty kyphotic in that position. It's really going to stand out because they're not going to be able to compensate through that lumbar spine. And then that's where we start going into, uh, I might take them into long sitting, and the first thing I'll work on is containing lumbar spine, and we might go into an overhead flexion with a cane or something in long sitting, so they're right. locked into position. So they're here. And then we'll start to line up that um, thoracic spine a little bit. 
So then they're starting to get that extension back in their thoracic spine. And then and there's a million ways you can do it. And there's other things we'll progress to. But that's one of the basic things is just starting sure. getting that um, spine to just stack, right. to be comfortable, I think is number one. Yeah, it's big. And what about stuff that you can do at work? You know, like I like the standing desk as long as you are, you know, at least standing properly. So standing desk, unfortunately, it's a the step in the right thing. direction. It's but a step in the right you gotta direction. You got to be active in doing that properly too. Yeah, sitting alone, sitting just the hours. I was reading a study on they were linking um, the time sitting to um, mortality. People that sat longer died I've earlier. That. I've seen that. Yeah. So yes. So just getting up from your chair and is And I think huge. the biggest thing with that is that a lot of systems tend to shut off. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? You, basically, the whole lower half of your body is disengaged. Well, so now... you're losing circulation and your CNS down there slows down and it lowers your metabolism because mm-hmm. a lot of stuff is just shut down. Yes. You know? So it slows down your metabolism. And there was actually some study where they got people to just stand less or break break periods of sitting by standing and walking for 30 seconds every 20 minutes or something like that just to break up their spells of sitting and i don't remember what the increase in metabolic rate was like overall resting metabolic rate but it was pretty significant Hmm. you know it was it was pretty interesting one thing i do want to mention is i i have been seeing a huge rise of um just like kids like 10 to 14 years old, let's say, coming yeah. in with little dowagers, huh? little dowagers, so that, mm-hmm. I don't know if your I'm grandparents familiar. ever called it that, but my I My dad's starting to that. get one. They call it the architect's hump. Yeah, my so dad's an I'm getting these kids now, and I'm seeing that younger and younger, <sighs> and the big thing is cell it? phones. Yeah, and video I'll, games. I have, we have a high school the... right up the street, and I'll watch kids walk while they're walking while they're, home uh, while they're looking down on I their know. cell phone so they're just in this crane position so now that's that's going to contribute to the kyphosis it's going to contribute yeah. to the compensatory it just begins it at an early age hyperextension yeah. of the lumbar yeah. spine yeah and, and then uh, they go home slouch into the couch and put on a game system yeah so then <laughs> you'll they're getting like these yeah. little dowagers they're getting this big compensation at their neck too yeah. and it used to be something that you'd see with people that spent, you know, a lifetime at uh, maybe like a drafting table or something. That's why they call it the architect's hump. And now it's people that spend a lifetime at a computer and you're seeing it yeah. younger and younger. Yeah, and, you and that, that's really sad because mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I believe kids are spending way too much time on their phones. And yeah, that, I think, is the biggest threat to all of this stuff right yeah. now is just uh, smartphones, even adults. Yeah. Oh, You'll yeah. see so many. I see so many adults with neck pain now just because... They're it's easy trained to be addicted to, look down. to all the stuff that's on there. Yeah, looking forward now is actually uncomfortable because they're training this kyphosis. They can't even look up. No, you know? they just they uh, hyperextend through their they just hinge right at their neck. Yeah. So that's a big problem. But um, it's going back to the standing desk. Standing desks are great. They're going to take you away from sitting. But what I'm seeing a lot of, I, I even see other therapists just shoving their hips forward. So. Yeah. They're in like the sway back posture. Elbows now. on the elbows on the desk. Oh, you no, mean just standing, but then pushing the hips forward and uh, yeah. So that's a huge yeah. problem. You're turning your butt off, and that's still gonna lead to hyperextension and right. prophotic upper back. 
Right. It's just a different a different so, type problem. Yes, having an awareness of how your how your standing is gonna be important yeah. too. That's what it goes back to is awareness on basically everything. You yes. know? And talking about kids too, you know, there's uh this is stuff that, that could and should be addressed like in PE class, you know? You it's know, called physical education. Like we should actually be teaching kids about their body, you know, at the very least, some of this posture stuff, a couple a couple just things that you can instill at an early age about proper movement and yeah. not to develop some of these chronic problems. Um, the big thing is obesity, but I'm actually way more worried about posture and the way yeah. kids are moving. Yeah. Like, and um, injuries are on the rise with high school students. Yeah. I'll, I'll ask a high school student to do a squat for me. He can't even yeah. go down without his heels coming up, and it uh-huh. just looks awful. Oh, I know. That's the biggest thing that we see in mechanics, too. Yeah. It's, uh, it's incredible, you know? Yeah. It was actually um, a Mark Chang thing. He was talking about uh, one of the the field manuals for um, Army soldiers. Mm-hmm. And in, uh, in World War II, the proper shooting position was to go down to a full squat and from the bottom of a squat, set up right there and... And shoot, and you know now no one can actually do that. Oh so gosh. that's not what they recommend anymore. You know, it's like that's awful. you can trace these uh, these societal problems through all sorts of uh, different areas. Esther you know? looked at a anatomy, a U.S. anatomy book in 1912 when we didn't have um, a lot of back injuries whatsoever, right. and she showed uh, anatomy book today. And there's a huge difference in the spine. You can see way really? more of a, yeah, way more. It used to uh, be straighter, and now we have more of yes. that S. Really, it was a lot more subtle. And now, wow. actually, they because they show an average spine of today, right. but it's actually has way more of a. That's interesting. I'll have to look that up. Lordosis. Esther Gokul is pretty interesting. Yeah, I I just I'm just fascinated with looking at some of these cultures and just yeah. seeing what the hell they're doing that uh, I know that we're not. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. So what else? We talked about, um, what was the first thing that you said? I've, I've already forgotten. Um, oh, it's all been a blur now. Yeah, I know. We were trying to whittle it down to a couple things that people can kind of well, incorporate. Well, cell phones, I think that's right. number one. Yeah. As a physical therapist, um, I see people spending way too much time on their phones in really bad positions. Because yep. that that is going to expedite the the lumbar hyperextension and as long as that's happening that's going to start to turn off your hips right. you're not you're going to get a lot of rotation through the pelvis so that's going to start the valgus and that's just kind of speeding up the whole chain of uh, yeah. events that's going to lead to an injury is what happens what creates that tightness through the mid back when stuff slumps forward right here a lot of that soft tissue that kind of laps over the back right here is in tension so it just kind of because of that that constant pulling and loading, it just kind of develops fascia that that holds some of that load. Well, is that what tends to happen? Well, your um, so it, with your uh, thoracic spine, as we as we assume these bad positions, right? Like let's say your shoulders are now gonna fall; they're gonna um, they're gonna be depressed. Right. Um, they're gonna come forward a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So as long as if we could go to upper traps, now my upper traps are going to start to get really tight. Of okay. my my all my traps, right? Um, rhomboids are going to get really tight. 
So now all this tissue and fascia is getting tight in the middle back. Right. Um, that's what pretty much starts the thoracic tightness. And the reason why uh, we our, our thoracic spine is um, when it gets kyphotic, it's difficult to move. It's because all our ribs are attached to that. So we're talking right. about all these um, internal, uh, external intercostal muscles that are between every single rib. Right. Um, and that's coming all the way to the front. So that that kind of gets very solid and it gets in this rounded hump position and then when you go to stand now your lumbar spine has to has to go into hyperextension so then those paraspinal muscles those muscles on either side of your spine now those become very developed right so then those get really tight but they'll tend to they'll tend to favor extension Okay. And they'll tend to rotate a lot more when we do sports, especially sure. anything to do with reciprocal hip motion like running or running, walking. walking yeah. That's so interesting. It's crazy. It is crazy. There's a lot of problems out there. <laughs> <laughs> I get to live with them every day. I know. I know. You're I on the front lines. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. What... Um, what are some of the homeworks that you give to people because I'm sure that there are things that you work with people when they're actually in your clinic is it a clinic is that what you call it yeah um, and um, I'm sure there's there's a lot of things that you send people home with that they should be thinking about or working on and I bet there's a standard couple that, that almost everyone gets well it, is that it fair actually to say? I I've been changing it a lot through the years because a lot of the people I get are you know kind of the worst of the worst I hit right. Put it like that. Oh, no, sure. That's um, that's the case. The chronics that we'll see from year to year to year. Right. And um, these people are living on a couch. They're watching TV all day, or they're on their cell phone all day, doing both, whatever. Um, and they don't. You have to be careful because if you give them more than three or four exercises, yeah. you're going to turn them off. That's true. You know they're it, yeah. It's they, overwhelming. You have to you don't be very. Yeah, yeah. You have to be very selective on what you give them. Right. So some patients that are just so far off that don't even want to be touched, their homework is just to lie down on their back with their knees bent, oh. just to get their spine to start to decompress a little yeah. bit. Get that low back out of extension. Yeah, and yeah. then from there, I, I teach them the diaphragmatic breathing, and that's okay. going to give you a lot of. Uh, right, starts opening up some of those lower yeah. ribs because you can it's really give you that elasticity that. in yeah. the thorax. Um, so it really depends on. Yeah. What so probably a couple minutes a day, just just get your butt off the couch, lie on the carpet with your feet flat on the ground and your knees up. Yeah, and I would just, say... Just, just fill in that curve that has developed yeah. in your low back and and swing those hips, I guess it'd be up, and try and get that low back to touch the ground mm-hmm. and just just get out of extension for a little bit. You yeah, know? that's that's my typical really bad off back patient. I'll just say that's your go-to position right. whenever you're in Which pain. would be a good thing for anyone to do, even the worst of the worst people that... You see, um, there's there's a whole slew of people that are either in, in the same boat or not quite bad enough that they haven't come to see you yet. Um, but they are certainly, you know, one one step below um, needing needing some type of help. You well, know what I, mean? I think they have all these s- chronic things, but it's not bad enough that they haven't sought out uh, therapy yet. Um, you know? I I would 
I would go with my recently favorite one. That's just the the long sitting, making yeah. sure they can sit in that. Because I think whether it's shoulder, hip, back, it starts in the spine. You've got to engage that neutral spine. If you're moving through that spine and you can't contain it, you're not going to efficiently move through your shoulder. Right. You're not going to efficiently move through your hips. Things are going to be in an unstable. They're going to be in a poor position. Right. So... Um, I think the easiest one is uh, just long sitting, Yeah, working on stacking. So some of the cues I'll give in long sitting will be, okay, I just want you to keep your belly tight as you work your chest up and then chin down. Just tipping that chin down right. so it actually opens the back of their neck a little bit. Right. And you do and, kind of feel the back of your neck relax yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And then they just kind of settle into that. And then you can kind of give them some overhead shoulder flexion with the cane, as I said earlier. Right. Um, so what if someone can't can't even get to how I am right now? Because um, there's probably people that can't do that. So one, um, uh, one, another one I like to give initially. I mean, there it's so important to go on the knee or how. Yeah, how they can sit close? on top of a. They can sit on top of a, a, a couple of oh, pillows. Oh yeah, sit on cushions. a pillow under the butt, so yeah. it takes a little bit of that hip angle down. Uh huh. Okay. Or they could even. Um, Put their feet together, but allow the knees to open up a little bit. Okay, so break and then now the they're going to get a little, a little bit, bit of, of tension off yeah. the off the hamstrings. Yeah. Okay. But um, yeah, I, I like mean, that. that's there's. Uh, I mean, the approach is a little bit different to everybody. Um, sure. A lot of people need to learn how to just fire their abdominals in a neutral position. So giving somebody a a move as simple as just being able to do a crunch and and now with that. They'll feel if you put them on their back, their their back, their low back won't even touch the ground. Getting them to do just a posterior pelvic tilt mm-hmm. and fire their abs, which is going to turn off some of that opposing yep. um, paraspinal muscle, that's going to be huge for them. Yeah, and then that's actually a great way to warm up. Just doing a, yep. a I'll say, say crunch because everybody knows what that is, where you right. feel your low back go flat into mm-hmm. the floor. Now you're firing your abdominals, so the antagonistic muscle is going to be the paraspinals. Actually does a lot. That little flexion element yeah. turns off a ton. Yeah, we see that uh, one of, on the very first day of our mechanics class at C Street, we get people into hollow body on the ground. Mm-hmm. And always the biggest thing is everyone wants to do that thing where they're, you know, they got the legs straight out and the arms straight up and um, where really just your low back is touching, but almost everyone gets this huge arch in the low back. Yeah. So it's like, all right, let's start from zero, basically. I want you to lie on your back and put your knees over your chest and just ball up. Yes. Now do you feel that that low back fill in and everything's touching the ground, right? Yeah. Okay. So now I want you to slowly move your legs out away, and when you feel that start to happen, that's your cue to stop, right? Well, that, that, those you, you don't are get to go cues. all the way out into hollow body. You get to stop basically as far away as you can go while still holding everything. And I tell people to scrunch and try to pull their their pelvis towards their belly button and close this off and try to fill that gap in back here. And almost everyone on the first day, their position is basically the starting one where they start in a little ball on the ground. And, and I'm like, all right, now just engage everything in your abs. Let those feet start to drift away. And people get about four inches and it's like, nope, I have to come back. Yeah. Because you know, they can't even do it. No, I'll, and it's, uh, it's pretty eye-opening. With a low-level patient, I could just have them lie down on their back 
and uh, get them in an engaged position, they feel things go flat, they can't even extend a leg out without losing that position. Yeah. You have to give them so... Sometimes you just have to start from there. And it's the same thing with the shoulder. Right. I'll, I'll get a patient, they need to learn how to contain a neutral spine before they start to raise that shoulder up. Otherwise, they just hyperextend to be able to flex their shoulder overhead. And they, So the spine is number one. You've got to yeah. teach them how to, to feel that or to gain some uh, neutral position back. Right. Um, but that's number one where you have to start. It always comes down yeah. to a spinal position. So fixing some of the problems that they've developed so they can even get to a proper neutral spine and then teaching them how that is kind of the basis of basically every movement. Yes. You know? Yeah. I'll, yeah. Yeah. I know. It's a... Uh, you brought up the example. I don't know if it was before we started the recording or not, but um, of... Uh, a guy that has come from a typical gym background that, you know, maybe he's squatting 400 pounds, but it's always, you know, even before you unrack the bar, it's like, all right, set that back. And then it goes into hyperextension. And that, that is his strong spot because of what he's developed. You know, you'll see high level athletes with um, bad mechanics that have gotten by. Right. Unfortunately, those it, are, those are the ones I see as patients. Right, they're the ones that have gotten. It's that's probably one of the hardest people to try to fix because yes. they they feel like they've had so much success. Uh huh. Um, and just because you haven't gotten injured doesn't mean you're, that you're doing things perfectly. Yeah, you know. And it's like if you get someone that for years and years and years and and has doing whatever it is that they're doing and you know that number on the bar is really high and their times are fast and they're excelling at whatever it is they do then you know what do you mean i'm doing something wrong yeah, no, honestly I'm it's no, it, I'm not. Like it all seems these like things i've accomplished it seems like a matter of time <laughs> yeah you know absolutely and when they do have these problems it probably is a more catastrophic injury because stuff yeah. is more developed around the improper position mm-hmm. so when that well, when that column does finally crumble, everything comes crashing down around it because it just pulls it so yeah. out of whack. I actually had a doctor um, or a physical therapist tell me that. I I had a rib go out of place when I was 15. I sneezed, actually, and I had one of my um, – I, I forget which number rib it was, but one of the floating ribs uh-huh. um, on the left side kind of tweak out of position. And a couple days later, um, I got adjusted by my uncle – and stuff went back. It didn't really hurt anymore, and I didn't notice any sort of problems. And I did it again three or four years later, and probably there was an imbalance there, but it wasn't really apparent, mm-hmm. you know. And um, it was just something that would happen every once in a while. And two or three days later, I'd be able to move fine. And four or five days later, there'd be no pain, and so I would just kind of keep going. It's like, oh, it's acting up again. Rest, okay, no pain. Back to whatever you're doing. And the first time I did it. After doing CrossFit, I did CrossFit pretty hardcore for a year and a half, two years, and um, I had it go out, and I don't, it, I don't think that it was any more uh, extreme in how it went out because I didn't even actually feel it go out. I just woke up one morning and I'd probably tweaked it the day before, and when I woke up was the first time I felt it. Yeah, and um, I was, I was out for like five months. And I had a physical therapist tell me, you know, this is probably something you've had for a while. You've told me that it's happened a couple times. Um, And we, after a week or two, um, 
he kind of got more and more of my story just as we talk about this stuff, you know. And um, I was pretty pretty skinny, you know, mostly runner, that kind of stuff for a long time. And then put on a lot of musculature when I got into CrossFit. Yeah. He said, you probably built stuff up around that. And when it did go out, you had so much more muscle development that it just pulled it out way worse than it's ever been. Yeah. And I said, well, that makes sense, you know. it it seems to make sense. So it's been kind of a battle to correct some of that stuff. And I still have some of the lingering effects. You know, I had a spine x-ray um, from the top of my head all the way down to my hips. We kind of pieced them together. And I have this, when looking at me straight on, I kind of have a little bit of an S still. Do you get feeling and, pretty tight on some of those rotations we do in class? With um, class? I'm getting better. Uh-huh. I'm getting better. But I do feel it, none of them feel really tight and painful, but certainly one way is easier. Okay. And I feel it more in one spot wants to lock up, so I feel it in other places. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's like that spot doesn't want to go, so this spot just kind of goes instead. Have you felt, more importantly, any release of any of those? I have. I have, yeah. It's, um, it's been good. Yeah. No, I love your classes. Um, for anyone also that's interested, um, Patrick does these awesome mobility classes. What are they, twice a month, every other Wednesday night? Yeah. And there's a YouTube video now. There is. I'm going to put that on. Yeah, I'll link this. Patrick um, Mobility Class. Okay. What's the YouTube channel? I'll find oh, it. I have no idea. I, but if you type in that, I, th- I think find it comes it, yeah. up. I've seen the video, and um, I'll uh, I'll link that on the show notes for this, too. Um, is there anything else you'd want me to include? You know, is there a website or anything? Probably not, right? No. Maybe your personal Facebook or something. But, um, yeah, I'll just put that video up. It'll be cool. Um, I don't remember what I was starting to say. Oh, yeah, so I have this, this, this weird S when you look straight on. And it's not extreme, but... This, let's see, what is it? This side is a little bit more compressed, you know? Uh So down here like this, I can bend, like side bend to my left way better than I can this way. And that problem is it's it's in all the muscles in my low back along the spine, like all those erectors on the left side. And I I can tilt this way way worse than I can tilt this way. So you already and know what your homework is. I, yeah. Ex- yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> I try to do a lot of side bending. Um, and it is getting better, but it's a slow process breaking through all that stuff, yeah. you know? You have to be really diligent for a long time. Yeah. The soft tissue is very helpful too. Like I, I it don't is, have yeah. I don't have any spinal stuff. I just started outrigging and it's oh, like I think with, I saw a picture of that. Are you doing it with Ventura, the one that's in the harbor? No, I do it uh, with a group in Oxnard. Uh, okay, because I've been yeah, out I, it's, it's to help the stand-up paddling. I mean, that's sure. my real passion. Sure, sure. So I'm trying to really get the technique and everything. So I've been working with some pretty experienced guys, which yeah. has been a lot of fun. That's but cool. um, yeah, I feel like using not not knowing exactly how to do a movement yet, I'll find myself getting tight, and I kind of have to go through everything. Right. Oh, it feels a little tight there. Right. And, you know, is this, that's something is this that's what turn- it's supposed to feel, or is this no. something I'm doing properly? No, yeah. I feel it's something I'm doing improperly. I right. need to get better at. I need to work on my position more. But absolutely, all the while, I right. gotta re- check my body and seeing where these little right. things are starting to grow and take get nip them in the bud right away. Absolutely, it just goes back to awareness. You know, yeah. you're you're obviously hyper aware of what can develop if you let. Uh, your body moving properly or let you let yourself develop these kind of um patterns yeah you know and um but but someone that's not aware of that as you um is not going to feel that when they start some new activity yeah, like, oh, it'll build up i've never done this before this is just how it feels you know yeah. and, and i'll just and because they wherever they're starting from whatever their body has developed they're going to start 
like you said, going through that path of least resistance when it's a new movement and you just fall into, maybe this isn't necessarily proper, but this is just how it feels for me. Yeah. And they fall into whatever works for them. And what works for you is not, not necessarily what works best. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah. So you I think the biggest thing is you is you just have to have that awareness. Yeah. You know, and you have to put a big emphasis in learning what kind of problems your body has, but then also um, if you do try something new. And I think people should try new stuff all the time. Oh, you totally. know, and get a big variety in the types of movements that they're doing because that's yeah. a great way to to expose some imbalances. You know, uh-huh. if you only ever do what you're good at and you only ever do it the way you've always done it, you're never going to learn about all of these, these things. So, you know, trying new things all the time is a great way to expose some mm-hmm. of these problems, I think. But, um, yeah, it's just, I guess it all comes back to awareness and, yeah. you know, we got to instill it in kids and that's the, I guess that would be the best way to start breaking through all of this stuff, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Maybe it's a good time to end it. We're, uh, all right. We, we, Kind of ended in a good place. I wonder how long it's been here. Any guess on how long it's been? An hour. Hour 10. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Goodbye. <laughs>